If you have your Bible with you, could you turn with me to Genesis chapter 28? It does my heart good looking in the front row and seeing my good friend Kenneth. Uh, some of you might not know Kenneth, but I've known Kenneth since he was about that tall. <laughs> and so me and him met at, at West Elementary. Was you about fourth grade or something? Third grade? Man, we go back, man. So I, I was able to mentor him there. And me and him were laughing a little bit earlier because for a little while they let us go they actually trust enough to, they gave us a room together so we could go over in this room. We're supposed to be doing math. We ended up playing some Bombardo. <laughs> we found a, a ball in there, so we were playing. We had a good time. <laughs> Didn't learn much math that day, but it sure was fun. So um, I realize we had a lot of visitors here today, so I just want to explain just a couple things before I get into my sermon. Uh, right back here. Right down in here is our water baptism tank. And so a little bit later at the end of service, Rick and Olivia and me and Corey, me and Corey are going to help God baptize them today. We're just going to kind of walk along. We'll walk back in here and then we'll walk down in here into the tank. And that's where we'll water baptize them. Uh, the Bible makes it really clear and plain, and I appreciate that. I don't have a lot of degrees. I didn't go to college for a lot. Uh, let me back up. I didn't go to college at all. And so I love the Bible and how it's so simple. It was written for people like you and me to be able to understand it and live it. And so the Bible just says, put your faith in Jesus Christ, get born again, and then get water baptized. So it's one, two. That, that's the, the rhythm of salvation in the very beginning. So I'm just blessed by you guys getting baptized today. I look forward to it. I love water baptism because God blesses people who are obedient to his word. He doesn't necessarily answer a lot of prayers because you pray them a lot or you play them loud or you're screaming while you're doing it. But when you honor God and you obey his word, you will get blessed in that. I totally believe it. That's what the Bible teaches. So are you at Genesis chapter 28? We're going to start with verse 10. We're going to read 12 verses. So it's a 12-verse passage. Last week we went over the same passage, but last week I kind of keyed in from like, uh, Jacob's point of view, and this week I'm going to try to give us a heaven-like eye view of what was going on in the bigger picture and the context of what was on God's heart on this day. So the, the back story is Jacob just ripped off his brother, got his blessing from his brother. Jacob just dressed up as his brother, ripped off his dad, got his, a blessing from his dad for him. So he got, Jacob, Jacob got his brother's birthright and his dad's blessing. And so it probably was a good time for Jacob to get out of Dodge, right? <laughs> That's what I'm, oh, he ripped off his older brother, which is usually your biggest brother. So, yeah, it was a good time for him to leave. But in this story, I appreciate that out of 360 degrees that he could have got out of Dodge, he went a certain direction because mom and dad said, you need to go over here and find yourself a wife. Don't marry from these people. These people don't believe in our God. It's just going to be super painful for you. If you want to walk in God's way, Go in this direction, find some of our relatives who have the same faith and the same God, and that's where you need to find your wife. So Jacob obeyed, and then amazing things happened. So let's go, verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And so he came to a certain place. I like that when God says a certain place or a certain time or a certain person, because I believe in my life there's certain times and certain places that he does things in me and for me and through me. And so there's sometimes I'm in a certain place and I'm that certain guy in God's, in God's plan. So verse 11. Amen, sister. Come on. 
preach. Verse 11. So he came to a certain place, stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I'm with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from the sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means this is the house of God. But the name of that city had been called Luz before. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and keep me in this way, then I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I can come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. That's a huge statement. Out of all these paths, all these verses, that, that's, that's a key thing. The God is going to be my God. Verse 22. And the stone which I've set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I'll surely give a tenth to you. So last week I was talking a little bit about tithing and how tithing isn't a law thing. Tithing isn't a Moses thing. Tithing isn't a temple thing. Tithing's a heart condition. And so 400, maybe 450, 470 years before Moses ever ever spoke in front of people is Jacob choosing to start tithing to God Almighty. So tithing's not a church rule. It's not a denominational thing. Tithing's a heart condition. So I won't go over that. That's just a little bit of a reminder. So today I just want to start by talking about um, probably the first, first thing. If, you, if you're a note keeper, first thing you might want to write down is we start by doing what we know is right. Because sometimes we can get so paralyzed, we're asking for God, give me clear direction, show me what you want me to do, show me where you want, show me the people. And sometimes we just have to do what we know is right. His parents said, go over there, look for a group of people, and then find a wife in that group of people. That's not real clear direction. What if I had in mind for you to meet some people up in Grayling? And I said, well, j just go up in there till you find a group of people and then find a wife in the right, correct type group of people. Man, and then you get sidetracking Big Rapids, uh-oh, or, or Cadillac, whoops. So when he said go over here, he had to just start taking. It's like, okay, I I'm just going to head down this direction. I'm going to see what God does. I, I got to trust my mom and dad. That's what they told me to do. I know they have their heart for me. I'm going to go this way. And that's what he did. And in that simple obedience, God does this. He unloads on him. He does this amazing thing to him. And what mom and dad said, hey, if, if you listen to us and you go over there and you pick a wife out of these ones, you, you'll be blessed. It, it'll go good with you. Watch how God takes that and takes their little encouragement and literally makes this limitless blessing to it. It's, it's almost unbelievable. 
So his parents basically say, don't marry into unbelievers because it's just going to be rough on you. It'll be tough on you. Uh, you'll have a divided heart, divided minds, everything. You'll, you'll end up arguing about just about everything because you won't be like-minded. And marriage is supposed to be about unity, single-mindedness, single purposes, walking together hand in hand. But if you've got different gods, whew, it's, it's just going to be rough. So mom and dad said, go and get married out of these, one of these women that have faith in the same God as Abraham had. So he follows the plan, and he goes out there. Do you know today there's people that are starting to walk in a direction? They, they got saved. They want to get baptized. It's like, okay, then what next? What am I going to do on Monday? I, I don't know what God's going to do for you Monday. Well, what's God going to be doing for me in November? I, I, I don't know for sure what he's going to be doing in November. But you got saved, which is the biggest, most important thing anybody can ever do in their whole lifetime. Bar none. Bigger than getting married, bigger than having kids, bigger than having three degrees out of college, bigger than owning a business, bigger than all that stuff. Getting born again changes your eternity and everything in this world. Amen. Amen. So you get, you get saved and you get baptized. First step, get baptized. Now, I don't know how you guys were raised, but when I was raised, if my parents would go do the dishes, I couldn't just say, no, I don't want to get, I don't want to do dishes. What else you got? Do you guys, could you do that? I could never do that. Uh, you better get ready for school. No, nah, I don't feel like doing that. What else you got? That, that was never said by any child in my house that I grew up in. There's five kids. None of us tried it. Um, imagine God, the ultimate father, saying, get saved. Okay, now number one, go get water baptized. Nah, I don't want to. What else you got? What? I thought you got born again. I, I thought you just gave me your everything so I could give you my everything. I thought you just bowed the knee and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you all your sins and give you a way to live for God. Yeah, I did. Okay, then, then get water baptized. No, nah, I don't feel like it. What else you got? Um, I'm glad that today we're celebrating two water baptisms. They're going to take that first step. And I'm excited to see what happens after that because obedience opens the doors of heaven into your life. It releases something powerful when you obey God it's like, okay, now I can give you the next thing. After baptism, I want you to. And all of us have tons of testimony of what's happened in our lives. After we got baptized, we started living and walking with God. It's amazing stuff that happens. So um, really, this salvation, water baptism declares to everybody this thing that happened inside that nobody can see. Water baptism is something that everybody can see. It proclaims this transformation that happened in my life, in my heart. It's an open declaration that it's not me anymore that lives. That, that old guy, that old Mike Young, that drunk, boozing, druggy, all that, that knucklehead's dead. The new creation who's living for Christ, that's this guy. This is how Paul says it in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What you got for me, God? Well, I want you to get baptized. Awesome. When? Today? This afternoon? No, you got to wait until Sunday. Sunday morning we'll get her done at church. Okay, okay. I'll do it as soon as I can. I'm excited, Lord. Do what you're asking me to do. That's, that's just the automatic thing. The next point, if you're taking notes, is why do I do what I do? Why are these guys getting baptized? Why do you suppose they're getting baptized? Because I told them to. I didn't tell them to. They came to me asking to get baptized. So we do what we do because we want to do what we do. That's deep, isn't it? That's super deep. 
You're probably going to have to Google that and see exactly what I said. We do what we do because we want to do what we do. Everybody makes time for what they're going to do. You ever talk to somebody who says, oh, we need to hang out. Okay, well, how about Monday? No, I'm busy. Well, how about Tuesday? No, I'm busy. How about this weekend? No, I'm busy. Okay, then. <laughs> I don't think you want to hang out too much. <laughs> Just how I kind of think about it. Everybody's got time to do what they want to do, and everybody prioritizes the most important things in their life that, makes, that means the most to them. They make time. They got money for it, and they got energy for it. So just like Jacob, bless you, just like Jacob, we live out of what's in our heart and our mind. Everybody does what they believe. Did you ever think about that? I know a lot of people go to church and say they believe the Bible, but just, just watch their lives. You'll know what they believe by how they live. I've talked to a lot of people. I mean, tithing is so simple. Tithe means a tenth. So tithing... If, if you make $100 a week and you tithe, that's 10. See, I didn't go to college, but I could do that math. If I'm, I'm on this. So if, if you say, well, I believe in tithing, and you give 50 cents every other week, you do not believe in tithing because you're not doing it. You actually believe that you can just give whatever you want, and that's good enough. That, right? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? We do what we believe. If, if you believe that you can be born again and then beat your spouse then you're going to beat your spouse. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? So ladies, quit beating your spouses. So when we get born again, we say, no, the Bible is God's direction for my life. The Bible teaches us about who God is, what he thinks about us, who we are as new creations like Paul talked about, and then how we can live for him. The Bible makes all that clear. So we don't have to like, Put a blindfold on and go, oh, I'll just do all this stuff and I hope you like it, God. And I'm just on my own trying to figure this thing out. Nuh-uh. Get saved, get baptized. Start walking in a direction. That direction is learning the word of God so you can know who God is, how much he loves you, and what he's called you to do. It's simple, isn't it? I didn't say easy. I said simple. It's not easy all the time doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, it's super hard. Especially when everybody around you rejects that and thinks you're a big, fat, dumb loser because you want to serve an invisible God. It's still the right thing to do, period, every single time. And so um, everybody does what they believe. How you're living shows what you believe in, exactly what you think of God and how you should live for God. That's why you, how you live, those are your choices. So look at how you live consistently. That will show you all your your true values, everything that you believe in. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's five verses that really make it plain how we can live for God. Jesus quoted this later on. He quotes it in the Gospels. Paul and Peter quote it in the Epistles. It's in Revelation. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's in the Prophets, Epistles, Gospels. It's through almost cover to cover in the Bible. You'll, you'll recognize these verses. Listen to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." In other words, you're just going to be so in love with God that he's always on your mind. 
Anybody here ever fall in love in your life at any given time? Anybody here? Three of us have experienced love. Man, Lord Jesus. When, when me and Jeanette first fell in love, let me just tell you, my priorities changed. I, my buddies weren't real impressed because at the time um, we were out drinking and bar fighting. We were bouncers at a couple of bars. We were doing our thing out there. And we were like, you know, four or five guys, and we'd travel in this pack and go do that stuff. Then I met her. Guess what? All of a sudden I was too busy to do some of that nonsense. And this one time we were actually invited to be part of the security at a Bob Seger concert, which at the time Bob Seger was my favorite singer band, Silver Bullet band. I'd seen that guy like four or five times in concert. Now we're invited to go do backstage security. Dream come true. Except I already had a date set up to go out with Jeanette. Guess what happened? Huh. They all got offended at me because I told them I'm not going to go do that thing. I'm going to hang out with Jeanette. So they had choice words to describe my description and my situation. But uh, let me just tell you, when you're in love, it doesn't matter what everybody else, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you're saying. I'm getting busy with her. So you do what you got to do, I'm going to do what I got to do. That's what love is. When you get born again, same thing. When you get born again, all of a sudden there's time to read the Bible. That show that you like, I really don't like it as much as I used to. Oh, those four f football games I got to watch all day on Saturday? You know what? I, I really don't have time for that. I got to get back and read this book of Acts that talks about the life of the church and what we can expect right now. This, this is the description of New Testament church, the book of Acts. Oh, I got to study this thing. This what's coming up? I got to read, read the Psalms. Those are God's promises for my life. Oh, did you see Romans? How to really live for God and how it's going to feel but how you can triumph in every aspect? Have you seen Ephesians on the promises in Ephesians? Paul says, I'm bowing my knee so that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can understand how big God's love is for you, how wide and big and deep and long and thick and awesome and strong. Heck yeah. Let's do this thing. That's falling in love with God. Amen? Amen. Come on, Christians. This is what we have. It's so awesome. And this is what Jacob just stumbled to when he was studying diligently, super praying hard, really looking. Now, hold on a second. This is what he found sleeping. Wow. If Jacob can find all this stuff sleeping, do you know how much hope we have? As we look towards God, as we come up here and get baptized today, as we read our Bible, as we're at church, just listen to this guy up front preaching. Do you know how much hope that gives us, that God's going to give us something today? If Jacob can get what I'm going to talk about, he can get this sleeping? Whew, come on, this is fun now. So the question we got to ask ourselves, am I in love with God? And I'm, I'm not asking this at Walmart or Myers or Lowe's. I'm asking in church. So obviously, the obvious answer is, oh, yeah, we all love God. That's why I'm at church. <laughs> Baloney. That's a deep theological term. Uh, sometimes people go to church because other people say it's the right thing to do. Sometimes people stay at church because other people say it's the right thing to do. Sometimes people only experience church because other people said it's the right thing to do. Some people, you know, Jacob started out over here. Mom and dad said, Go in that direction until you find a certain people and then do that. Some people stay there their whole lives. They go to church because mom and dad said you ought to go to church. They go to church because their husband or the wife say, no, we have to go to church. But as far as knowing God, experiencing God, expecting something from God, 
It doesn't even cross their mind. They're, they're, just, do, they're just walking in this direction. Because somewhere way back sometime, somebody said, just go in this direction. Stuff will work out. And we can't stay there, folks. God has way too much for us. So the question is, do, am I in love with God? Or am I just walking in a certain direction? Because when Jacob left, he was following what mom and dad said. And then verse 32, or excuse me, verse 22 happens. And he starts living out of love for God. It, it's so amazing. So for me, just kind of give a perspective on this. I usually go to Walmart once a week. But that don't mean I love Walmart. I never just go to Walmart and give my money and leave. I never do that. I go there because they have something I need. So I run in, I get the thing I need, and I run back out as quick as I possibly can. Anybody feel my pain with Walmart? <laughs> By the way, I don't ever volunteer at Walmart. I don't go up to, hey, can I just mop this floor over here for you and just kind of clean up this, these shelves? They look a mess like they always do. Can I just help you out? I don't ever do that. I don't sit around at home reading Walmart's business plan. I just, I, I'm not in love with Walmart. Why would I do any of that crazy stuff? But I do love God. And so I give him 10% of my income. That's the baseline. I, I tithe out of all my income all the time, always have as a born-again Christian. And I also contribute to offerings. I contribute to missions. I contribute to a, a hungry guy on the road. I'll help him out. People show up at church sometimes on Sunday morning just say, oh, I just need $240. And I get to Chicago. I got, a drive, I got a job waiting there for me. And I'm going to turn my whole life around. But I got to have the money right now today. It's like, oh, that's really tough because I know you're scamming me. But sometimes it feels like the Holy Spirit saying, you need to help this guy out. Pray for them and give them a little something. So I do. That's on top of my tithes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because as a born-again Christian, I really believe, I honestly believe that anything that I have is because God's blessed me with it. Even when I was a die maker, God gave me the ability to build dies. And if you guys know me at all and you know how handy I am, you know that was a miracle. Every day that I could build dies that worked because I ain't handy. Anyways. I love God. I give him 10%. I volunteer to serve him. I don't just do my 40 in my office, come out and preach for an hour on Sunday, call it done. I st I'm like you guys. I'm looking for ways to help people when I'm in stores, when I'm in Walmart, trying to hurry up and get out of there, and my neighbors, wherever. It, like, I, I'm full of the love of God, and I want to share that with people. It's, it's such a blessing. It's such an opportunity to do that. So Now, someone might think, well, that's pretty stupid comparing Walmart to God. Dude. You know what, I have to agree with you, it, it is kind of stupid. But the sad thing is some Christians treat God like Walmart. Some Christians run in and out of church fast as they can. Some Christians come in to, to get something. They haven't been in their Bible all week, they haven't prayed all week, haven't really thought about God at all. They, they, they can bust in on Sunday. Hopefully something happens, somebody encourages them, somebody prays for them, worship is good. The, the sermon gives, oh, got it, okay, back out of here as quick as I can go. They, they don't volunteer, they don't give no resources, they don't give money, they couldn't care less about the business plan God has for them. I, so do I compare Walmart with God? I, I think it's a stupid comparison, honestly. But some Christians are kind of stuck there. So why do I do what I do? Why, why do you do what you do? Why are you here today? Walmart or God? So last thing, if, you, if you're taking notes, here's the last thing. God reveals his plan for us to us. 
what? That's pretty complicated. What did you say? God reveals his plan for us to us. And let's talk about Jacob's dream. This is amazing. God showed Jacob what was happening in the spirit realm. Angels were coming and going, ensuring the fulfillment of God's promises to Jacob. Did you ever think of it that way? Most of us have heard the story about the ladder up and down from heaven to earth and angels and ascending and descending. Most of us have thought about it or we've heard of it. But have you thought about what was going on and why did God show him that in a dream? It's, it's amazing. Um, Mom and Dad had said if you go in that direction and you find the right group of people and you get a good one, things will go good with you. God took that. And he expands it, and God literally says to Jacob, Jacob, since, since you've been obedient, since you're following my ways, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make your descendants like the dust on the earth, and they're going to spread out from the east to the west and the north and the south. Now, if you've heard very many sermons about Abraham, you know Abraham was the first guy who got a promise like this. God said to Abraham, your descendants are going to be like the sand on the seashore. Which is, whoa, right? I mean, most of us have been to a lake shore or seashore, and you're walking through the sand. Even when you get done, you want to put your shoes back on, you got to brush the sand off. That's thousands just stuck to your feet, let alone miles of coastline. But guess what? How many people here live on the oceanfront? How many people? None of us. So if God promised you to have the sand like on the ocean, seashore, or even a lake shore, there's a couple of people here who live on a lake, so I'm going to stay with the ocean. <laughs> uh, if God promised you that, for most of us, be like, mm, okay, sounds neat. But what about this? Anybody here ever dusted anything in their life before? Any, any? I know a few of us guys have, and I'll bet every woman here has. One thing I know for sure, this podium is a great example. Keep an eye on this podium every Sunday, you'll see. Some weeks I remember to dust it. Most I don't. And so right now I can write my name in the dust on this podium. That's just how it is in life, isn't it? Everything is covered with dust. Every single one of us have a TV at home. When you go home, drag your finger across the top of that TV. There will be dust there. And guess what? Before you go to bed tonight, do it again. There'll be dust there. It's everywhere. It's constant. And nobody can stop it. Right? Uh, I, I could go on and on about dust. It, it's just absolutely amazing. So when God told Abraham, sand on the seashore, yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Wow. That, that, but sand on the she, seashore, be careful how I say that. <laughs> it, it's like... God would know the number of that, and it's in certain places, and it has limits. There has to be an ocean to have a seashore. So if you go out in the middle of the desert, there ain't no, no seashores. There's no sand seashores in the middle of the ocean. How about in the middle of a the jungle? There's lots of riverbanks, but there's no seashores. But guess what? There's dust in the jungle. How about in Iceland or Greenland? There's no seashores up there in the middle of it, but there's dust there's dust in the middle of icebergs and glaciers. There's dust. There's dust everywhere. And it's always coming down. There's always more of it. So God says to Jacob, since you love me, since you're starting to follow me, you're listening in direction and you're being obedient, this is how my blessings are going to be in your life. 
They're going to go from the north to the south. They're going to go from the east to the west. They're going to be constant like dust. They're going to cover everything like dust. And nobody can stop it like dust. Whew, how'd you get all that out of that? When you said the first time, it was like, yeah, another, another blanket blessing. Oh, well. It's like, no, it was, he was trying to reveal something to Jacob. But guess what? Jacob's just like all of us. Jacob was Abraham's grandson. So you can't say, like, um, Kenneth was asking me, and goes, so, so remind me, like, how did you like church when you was a kid? I said, we never went to church as a kid. As a young adult, we went to church, but we only went for weddings and funerals. And honestly, from probably the age 15 or 16, I was lit when I went into church. We, we drink out in the parking lot. Sometimes we have a little pocket pint, right? So the only reason to wear a suit coat to church would be to hide your bottle. That's what I always thought. And so I can't say, well, because how I was trained up and what I learned at a young age, I was able to apply. It's none of that stuff. I was stone cold atheist until I, I met God when I was 31 years old. So here's Jacob, the opposite. Jacob's the grandson of the great Abraham. The New Testament says Abraham's the grandfather of everyone who has faith. Wow, this is grandson. So he lived underneath Isaac in all his faith, and he lived under Grandpa Abraham under all his faith. And when God says, look, this is how big my blessing is going to be for you. It's going to be like dust. Jacob was like, he either went, I don't get it, or he went, that's neat. I got to kind of make some miles going this way, though, boss. So I, I got a direction. I got to go. So God has knocked this kid out. <laughs> Wait till he goes to sleep in a certain place. He must have been pretty groggy because he thought it was a good idea to grab a rock and make that a pillow. Dude must have been pretty tired. It sounds like God sleeped to me. And then God gives him this dream. And in the dream, there's this ladder. The feet are right here on the ground because he wakes up. He goes, oh, this place is where God is. This is the house of the Lord right here. So in his dream, that ladder must have been standing like right next to him or very close. And then it goes up into heaven, which would have looked like one of them, you know, Marvel movies, one of them comic movies where they have the different realms and some, some guy just kind of like steps out of that realm into the, the other realm. So that ladder must have like somewhere in there, it's going up into this other realm. And here's these angels coming down, coming back up, coming down, coming back up. Did you ever... Think about it. You've heard the story before. I bet most of us have. Did you ever think about what were those angels doing? And why would God show Jacob those angels? I don't think the angels were making food runs to Taco Bell or McDonald's or Burger King. I, I don't think they were doing that. I think the angels were taking heaven stuff and bringing it down into earth. And I think God showed Jacob this because Jacob was clueless. And God said to Jacob, this is what I'm going to do for your life. While you're sleeping... Angels are taking heavenly things and building your life. While you was walking yesterday, they were working. Angels don't get tired. They don't take breaks. They don't sleep on the job. Angels just keep on working. And God had to say, my blessing is so huge for you, I've got heavenly work crews working round the clock for your future. Wow. That goes for all of us. It goes for every single one of us that knows God, that's called according to his purposes and have put our faith in Jesus Christ. The angels going up and down. We can't see the ladder. We can't even see the angels. But they're doing it. They're going up there. They're coming down with stuff to build a construction for God's blessing in our life. For later today, hour from now, they're working on it. Maybe they're already done. They're working future on, past that. Uh, next week, working on it. A year from now, they're working on it. Ten years from now, working on it. How long did they have to build? How many angels did it take?
to cover the earth like dust with Jacob's descendants. And he did it. There's Jews in every continent on the planet. There's people of faith every continent on the planet. Uh, we are descendants by faith of this promise that happened there. God's busy on our behalf too. He's, he's getting things done. God reveals his plans in our lives in all different ways. If, if you're thinking, well, I'm not sure that he's actually busy in my life. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen that. I want to invite you to get in the word of God. Get in the holy scriptures. Read the Bible. You pick it. You honestly could do one of these things. I know a lot of people do this. I don't recommend it as a habit. I don't have my Bible with me right now. I got this digital copy. But, like, they'll play uh, scripture roulette. <laughs> well, they'll just take their Bible and, like, they'll fan the pages and go, Doom! and then they'll open it up and read it right there. That's okay once in a while. God will speak to you through that. Don't make a habit of it. Pick a book, read through it. Or start with the first cover, read to the back cover. It, it's super easy. If Just spend some time with God in his Bible. And, and just say something simple like, whether it's on your phone or hard copy, doesn't matter at all. Just, just put your hand on that thing. Say, Father God in heaven, would you please show me wonderful things in your word? Would you please teach me your ways? Would you please instruct me in how to live for you? Use your own words, say it any way you want. But basically just saying, God, I need your help. Help me to understand this thing and then help me to live for you. And you watch what happens. All of a sudden, you'll be getting dreams. All of a sudden, you'll be having somebody come up and go, hey, man, I was just praying for you. Guess what? God showed me something about, like, a big square box and it had a red stripe going, really? I've been talking about a business plan. And we're going to package things. And they're going to be in big boxes. And, and the thing that we're putting in is a red, what? Yeah. God will do that stuff. He'll give you dreams. He'll tell other people. He'll, he'll just, while you're reading the scripture, it'll all of a sudden, wow, what? I read that thing 50 times. I never saw that before. God, you're awesome. Thank you for speaking to me. That's how God does it. It's amazing. The promises of God are everywhere in our lives. They really are. Sometimes they're so big, we need God's help for us to see them. So if, if you're in a spot, if you're going through some stuff, and I'll dare say, this isn't stretching anybody's imagination, everybody goes through stuff. Right? You've heard me say that a million times. It's true. And guess what? Everybody's stuff is heavy for them. My stuff that I'm going through right now might not even be heavy for you. You might look at that and go, really? That keeps you up at night? What can I tell you? And then you might tell me what, what's keeping you up at night. I go, ah, I would never worry about that. What can I tell you? Everybody goes through stuff and it's heavy for them. And so what are you going through right now? What's your stuff? You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell the person next to you. But what's your stuff? And what promise has God given you for that stuff? Because there's a promise that covers everything. It covers everything. And if you're thinking, well, man, I've had this condition. I've had this bad knee for 12 years. I prayed. I've had other people pray for it. It just hasn't done it. Can I just encourage you, get back with God and say, God, your word says that by the stripes of Jesus Christ we are healed. And this knee ain't healed. So I got a disconnect, God. Would you show me what's going on so I can trust you for your promises to come to fulfillment for my life? Maybe your money's really tight. Maybe you got financial. Maybe you got a relationship that's damaged, needs to get restored. Open the Bible. It's so easy nowadays. I do this all the time. Full confession as a pastor. I'll take my cell phone. Hey, Google, show me Bible verses about 
and then you put in about finances. Show me Bible verses about forgiveness. Show me Bible verses about addiction. Show me Bible verses about offense. Show me Bible verses about healing. Show me Bible verses uh, about end times. You fill in the thing. Oh, man, look at that. Click verses. No excuse for not getting in the Bible anymore. I don't, I don't have any more excuses about saying, well, I don't know where that is in the Bible, so I'm not going to bother. Literally, in 10 seconds, I can be looking at a verse about the thing that's already concerning my heart. So I just want to encourage that. We're surrounded by the promises of God. Somehow, though, we need to have the faith to embrace them and to trust God and believe that he's actually bringing that about in our lives. And so just like Jacob, if God can do it for Jacob while he's just asleep, how much more can he do for us while we get in the word, while we actually pray and are a little bit intentional about it? So uh, I know right now God's working on our behalf, on mine and yours. Angels are going up and down. I, I wish I, I, could, I could say a verse or uh, pray a prayer or all of a sudden we could see what Jacob saw in his dream. <laughs> Realm opens up. Here's this ladder. Angels coming up and down. Big old 12-foot angels, got wings, got some of their battle armor on. They're coming down from heaven. And they, I mean, their arms are bulging because they're carrying all this heavy heaven stuff. And they're going down. And they're working on your next week. They're working on your marriage. They're working on your kids. They're working on your future. And they're going back up empty-handed because the heaven stuff's now laid in your life and your future. And that gets me stoked. It, if we'll get in the Bible... God will literally give us the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible says in the New Testament. He says we've already been given the mind of Christ, but Paul says we need to transform our thinking by the renewing of our mind. We've already got the mind of Christ, but to think like God, we've got to see what he says, and that means reading the Bible. Always comes back to reading the Bible. This is what Isaiah says. Isaiah is quoting God, or God's saying this to us through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 45, 19, God says, I've not spoken in secret in some dark place on the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, uh, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness and I declare things that are right. So when you find a, a promise in the Bible for you, that is right for you. And God set it out in the light. He put it in print so that we can grab these things and live by them. Hallelujah. Man. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to start wrapping this up. Mom and dad said, go over there and marry this type of woman and, and you'll please us. And that, that was enough for Jacob to start walking in a direction, living the right way. God said, I'll give you descendants like the dust of the earth and you'll spread out in every direction and all your seed will be blessed. And what mom and dad said and what God said is a thousand miles away. There's distance in there. And God gave him a dream so he could believe for what God said. So I'm going to close with this. I just want to make a couple more statements. I'm going to ask a couple questions. So right now, we got a couple of people that are going to be baptized. They're following God's plan. Jacob was given a direction, and he followed God's plan. So we've all been given a direction. Love God with all that you are. Let me just ask all of us here, including myself, do your personal habits accurately reflect your love for God? Because I know if I asked you guys, I mean, everybody that goes here, I'm looking at all your faces. You guys love God. I know you do. So have you decided with your habits in your life to show that to God? Do, do your habits, your daily habits show how much you love God? 
Um, before the dream, we have absolutely no record of Jacob ever worshiping, ever praying, or ever giving one cent to God before he had this dream. Nothing. After the dream, uh, he has a total conversion. Everything changes. And he goes from saying, uh, the God or a God to my God. And so if you're a churchgoer, certainly, hopefully you've already settled this a long time ago, but you've got to settle up for yourself. Do you believe in a God or the God or is Jesus Christ your God? Is he your personal Savior? Because if he's your Savior and he's your Lord, then your everything has changed. It's amazing. After the dream, Jacob built a monument to God and worshipped and prayed. A guy that didn't do any of it did all of it from one dream, one encounter with God. Wow. So after the dream, Jacob starts tithing to God. So my question to all of us today is this. Do our personal standards of prayer, of worship, of giving and serving, do those accurately reflect our love for God? Does the amount of time, talent, and treasure that we give to God daily equal the love that we have from in our hearts? Just a good question for all of us to ask ourselves. And just be honest with yourself. You don't have to come up and tell me, oh, I, I work 97 hours a week for God and I'm giving him 90%. And you, you don't have to tell me anything. Just be honest with yourself. You know how much you love God. Does your life reflect that accurately? Okay? So let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you that uh, this story about Jacob is so amazing. It shows how much you love him, how much you love us. You give us promises, but you don't expect us just to wander around out in the woods, walking in circles until we figure something out. You give us your promises into your word. You proclaim how much you love us. You love us so much that Christ died on the cross for us. Wow. Wow. And then you tell us who you are. You're a loving God that's quick to forgive. You're a loving God that draws us to you. You're a loving God that loves us even when we're God-haters and sinners. You love us so much that you draw us to yourself with hope. Lord, your word tells us who you are, how you are, and what you expect from us. Your word tells us who we are, how we can live, and what we can expect from you. And so, Lord, I just pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would touch your people, you'd bless your people, that you draw all of us closer to you in this, that you would give us strength, supernatural strength, to seek you out, to go deeper, to want more. Help us, Lord. We all know we're real limited. We might have good intentions, but, Lord, we're, we're so limited to our stinking thinking sometimes. Would you help us like you did, Jacob? You gave him a dream. You showed him all this stuff outside of himself. You showed him exactly what you had for him. So, Lord, would you help us too? Would you, uh, in any way that you need to do it, would you, would you just circumvent our stinking thinking, our logic, and show us by faith who you are and what you have for our lives and our future? We say yes and amen to your plans, your direction every single time. And we want to build your kingdom. We, we want to have a nice church, but, Lord, priority one is building your kingdom. So please use us in any way you want. And I ask a blessing on your sons and your daughters, on every man, woman, and child in this place, on every home represented by any person in this place. Would you please make a distinction between people that know you and love you and people that don't? Would you please do that? I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen.